You know, this is my first time eating here, and I hear that the steak is absolutely incredible. In fact, I just ordered one about 20 minutes ago, and it should be coming out of the kitchen at any moment. The view here is incredible. Highly recommend you visiting this place. Oh, here comes my steak. Uh, yeah, sir? Sure, I don't care if you cut it. What? What's this? What's this? Ah! Ah! Hi, this is Richard Hatch, Battlestar Galactica, Captain Apollo, Tom Zarek from the new reimagined version. And I just wanted to wish all you guys at Sci-Fi Diner a happy 50th episode anniversary. All the best to you guys. You have a great show, and I uh, can't wait to come back on. Have a great 2010. Hey there, Scott and Miles. It's James Williams from the Lifestyle Pod Network. I just wanted to drop by and wish you guys a very happy 50th show. It's a great milestone. And you guys are also great supporters of the shows on the Lifestyle Pod Network as well. So I wanted to thank you for your uh, hearty participation in our shows and for producing such a great podcast in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I really love tuning into your shows, as I did when it was dining at the end of the universe. But you guys have taken this show from strength to strength. As you head towards the next 50 shows, I'd just like to encourage you and say you guys are doing an awesome job. You produce one of the best sci-fi podcasts on the net, and I am really looking forward to the next 50 shows. Enjoy this show, have fun, and I look forward to the next 50. Take care. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Miles, we've done it. We did it. We hit the big 5-0. And I don't feel a day old that we do that in 49. 49, mm-hmm. right? Right. It was the same. week ago it was 49. Yep. Now we're at 50. It's not a real big deal here. Um, my name's Scott Hertzog. Hello. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we have a very special guest with us tonight. Someone who's kind of ended up being a co-host quite a few times. And that is Mary. How are you doing, Mary? Oh, I'm great. Thank you guys for having me on for your big uh, 50th. We're glad we had you on. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to talk with you guys because on DVD Geeks, we can only talk about things that are on DVD. But with you guys, I can really riff on things that are on the air right now. I don't have to wait till they come out on DVD. Well, it's practice because you get to rip on them now. And then when they come out on DVD, you get to rip on them again. You get to perfect it. Or praise them. I'm not always mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know we know how you like your violence. Come on. I it's do. <laughs> rip, 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 rip. Oh, man. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in, everyone that's tuning into the show. And uh, 
that's listening to the show, our big 5-0 here. Tons of listeners called in wishing us well. You're going to hear their feedback. We're going to be playing them throughout the show. And we just say thank you. Thanks to everyone who gave feedback and everyone who listened to the show. Everyone can leave feedback. Let us know what you think about our discussions and what shows you are watching. Uh, the number here is one eight eight eight. 508-4343. Yeah, and you can call in. We're always looking for finding out what you're watching, what you think about it, what you think about what we're talking about. We're totally cool with that. We opened up with a clip from Richard Hatch. You remember the Richard Hatch interview? Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting interview with him. Yeah, it was deep, and we really never finished it. He wants to be back on, he said again, as you heard in the clip. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm game to have him back yeah. on. And, yeah. and Mary, you interviewed Richard Hatch, right? I did um, for a show uh, called Biff Man Pow Wow, and he's just such a terrific guy, and he can go on, and he's just a great person to interview because you barely have to ask the questions, and he's already had a, a thoughtful response. Yeah, so it was it was just great to have him. What, what was the name of the show again? You said you interviewed uh, Biff Bam, Biff Bam Pow Wow. It was a comic book show that uh, we had, and uh, same makers of DVD geeks, and uh, we were on uh, the uh, on networks. Okay, and uh, it was a short, you know, maybe half-hour show, and we were on their internet uh, website, and we would basically review comic books and talk about you know, specific topics, and we did um, an episode that was all about Battlestar Galactica, so that's why we had him on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great. We also yeah. we, we also heard in the in the introduction uh, James William from the Lifestyle Pod Network. We've had Dave Gray, who's also affiliated. We're going to hear from him a little bit later on. But uh, James Williams really been great. He's been helping. He's been instrumental in helping us kind of shape the sound of the podcast uh, and just some good practical podcasting sense. In fact, he runs. He he was a listener back when we were dining at the end of the universe before we okay. became the Sci Fi Diner. Cool. So he's uh, one of the early listeners. But he he runs a show called Podcasters Emporium. And if you're a podcaster and you're listening to this show, it's well worth checking out. They give some real good practical advice on what it means to run a podcast and just do that sort of thing. He also runs two other podcasts I like. He runs one called Lifestyle Chill Network. It's just chilling music. You know, you get that stressful day, Miles, and you, mm-hmm. and you just want to, you know, chill out. You are, you know, the cast gets stressed, Mary. It's a perfect show, mm-hmm. to chill, perfect show to chill out on. And he also does one called Two Schooners. And I always joke about it being a boat show. But in Australia, which is where he's from, Two Schooners are actually beer. So, oh, cool. So, see, I didn't know that. So <laughs> I always joke that this is a podcast about boating, but it's not. It's uh, but uh, and, and you know, hey, we can start serving two schooners at our uh, diner here, Miles. We can, we can, we can. It'd be open. Mm-hmm. It'd be open. Mary, tell us a little bit about what is going on in your life, acting wise. You have some interesting shows that actually are going to play into the topic yeah, of dollhouse. Actually, tonight. I um, have a show opening this Sunday. February 7th called Improvised Joss Whedon, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a, uh, a completely improvised show playing the characters from the Joss Whedon universe. So Dowhouse, Buffy, Angel, Dr. Horrible, Firefly, Serenity, all that good stuff. And it's basically a big what if. What if these characters could run into each other and have a conversation? You know, what would happen if say Echo met Faith, you know, <laughs> very interesting stuff. And uh, it's an hour-long show at Gorilla Tango Theater. It's an improv theater in Chicago. And um, it uh, runs Sundays at 3 o'clock and the last Sunday at 5 o'clock. So it runs for four weeks till February 28th. So it's been really exciting to get to, to as a fan, to play characters I never would have dreamed I'd get a chance to play on stage, like Buffy. And um, I actually play Adele in the show. 
so it's pretty fun. So your character, your characters are predetermined then. No, um, we get to choose our characters, and sometimes we choose them in the moment. So okay. I didn't get cast specifically as Buffy, but since you know I'm blonde, it's sort of <laughs> one of those things that comes with the territory. But so I tend to play her. I tend to play Adele. Um, just whatever comes to us, and it's all based on audience suggestion. So the audience will suggest something and, and we'll riff on it. But everything is improvised, all the dialogue. Um, we just know the characters really well enough to say things that they might say. So it's it's kind of an experiment, but it's been a lot of fun, and the cast is really talented. And uh, so you haven't done any shows yet, but has there been any preliminary response to this? Well, actually, it's all over the Internet. On the Whedon fan boards, people are going crazy because they think it's a great idea for a show, and I agree. I mean, the, the fan base is already there. They they want to see this because it's almost like, you know, their characters have come back from the dead and they get to, to see them in these big what-if scenarios. So I think it's really exciting, and we're getting a, a tremendous response so far. We've been featured in the newspaper here. So a lot of people are taking notice. So it should be it should be a good run for us, and hopefully we'll get extended. Oh, that that, that would be awesome. Yeah, so if people are interested in um, looking into the show, they can go to GorillaTango.com um, to check out uh, tickets and uh, showtimes. And we're, we'll have some pictures in the blog. You sent me some pictures of it, right? I did, yeah, so, I did. And I'll post them in the blog so you can see it when you go to the Sci-Fi Diner as well. If, Very cool, thank you. If Lancaster was a little closer to Chicago, I would definitely go see it. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of geeks are going to caravan out to Chicago if they're in the nearby cities. No, definitely. This tell, it sounds worth it. No, Miles, if you could have two characters from different Whedon shows meet, who would they be? Well, I think I would love to see Jane definitely be one of them. And mm-hmm. um, if Jane could meet up with um, maybe, maybe him and Paul Ballard interact. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, bo- both them, you know, are men of action, but definitely different personalities and just to see how, you know, yeah. if they had to serve together to get something done, how they would w- try to work that out. Yeah. You know what I would like to see? Go ahead. Uh, Topher from the finale from Epitaph 2 meet River from uh, Serenity and Firefly. Ooh. That would be weird. That would be. I was actually going to say, my, mine was going to be River meeting Alpha. Mm-hmm. Although Alpha seems surprisingly normal on the yeah, yeah, that that was a big shock. Yeah, hey, we'll get to that. We don't want to jump ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cool. So they can find. Can you mention that website again? Where can they find you? They can see uh, improvised Joss Whedon by hitting up GorillaTango.com. Awesome. Well, sounds like an awesome show. Yeah. And I agree with Miles. I wish we were closer. Uh. (laughs) Uh, Miles, what's on the menu tonight at the Sci-Fi Diner? Well, um, we are going to be talking about the Dollhouse finale, which uh, is huge. We'll briefly talk about Heroes. Uh, Heroes season finale is coming up this uh, Monday. Uh, Caprica is back on the air, uh, Human Target, and anything else we're watching. Also, um, just want to let the listeners know, well, we are going to be at the – you and I, Scott, we'll be at the Farpoint Convention in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, so um, listeners, we'd love to meet up with you. Uh, just come come see us sometime. Yeah, and let us know if you're going. You can mm-hmm. uh, tweet us and uh, find us on Twitter and all that. Uh, we'll also talk about Smallville too, the yep. Smallville movie as well. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, Mary, we did mm-hmm. tell listeners that you were going to be at uh, at Farpoint Con. I'm not actually going to be there. Uh, I know, I know. We were, I jo- wish. We, we were joking. <laughs> I don't know how we got <laughs> in it. Your suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> Smuggle me on board. Yeah, there we go. 
But uh, are you guys going to do a show from there? Uh, well, well, we'll be doing we'll be recording tons of interviews or trying to at least, and uh, and we'll be speaking on a panel about podcasting in the press. And oh, um, we will be doing a lot of recording there. I don't know mm-hmm. if we'll do a show from there. We could. I guess, yes. but uh, typically what we did at the last con we were at, we just focused on recording the interviews and left the shows to home. Yeah, so, and then you can put it together later. Yeah, it's a little bit, little bit easier then. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so cool. And uh, they, I just got news today that Sam Whitworth is going to be there. Oh, cool. Have you ever talked to him? I have not, no. Yeah. But he's a guy, of course, that played uh, The Apprentice in The Force Unleashed, but then also was Doomsday in Smallville. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, has done – what else did he, he do? Was in, uh, he was uh, Crash Down from um, BS, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah, he was in four or five episodes of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. And uh, what other show news do we have? Well, we would like to thank uh, Chris uh, over at Subspace Communique uh, for posting our um, – uh, our, our show with uh, let, let listeners know we talked with uh, Jared Formby last week. Yeah, so that was cool. So thanks, thanks, Chris. Thanks. We're going to take a little break here, and we're going to hear from Wayne and Dan from Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. They are huge Fringe and Lost fanatics. Of course, this is a show that I do the episode, the Fringe quote of the week for their show. And uh, so we're going to hear from them. We're going to hear a recording from Wayne, and then a recording from Dan. And Dan has some Dollhouse questions, so we'll have to we'll get to that, and I'll spring us into Dollhouse. Hey guys, this is Wayne Henderson from the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast over at MediaVoiceOvers.com slash Fringe, where on almost every episode we get a Fringe quote of the week from your very own Scott Herzog, and we appreciate those being sent in, and I wanted to call today to wish the Sci-Fi Diner podcast a happy 50th episode. I can't believe you're already at 50 episodes. That is fantastic. Keep up the great work, guys. Going to keep downloading and listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, and uh, we'll be calling back to celebrate you 100 episodes in no time, I'm sure. Talk to you soon. Now, back to your podcast. Hey, it's Dan with the uh, Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan show over at MediaVoiceOvers.com. Using Google Voice, it's pretty darn cool that it calls your house phone back and you make the call for free. That's Sci-Fi right there. That is awesome. Hey, I'm calling to say happy 50th episode. Looking forward to you guys reaching your 100th and beyond. Uh, many thanks to Scott for his great recordings he gives to the Fringe Casting show that we put on. I look forward to that segment every week. Um, Wayne plays it live for me, so I don't hear it beforehand. So it's always a treat. Um, so I've been listening to your podcast now after being uh, Scott calling in and, and giving us his insight on Fringe. So I've been listening now, and I wanted to make a comment on the ending of Dollhouse and what a ride it's been. I heard your latest interview with Miracle and had a great time listening to it. I really appreciate it. I was particularly interested when you guys brought up the same question I had, and I was thinking all along about the writing of the show. You guys asked if uh, the writing had changed. You know, Well, to me, it seemed like the writing changed and got better for the end of the season, and you guys asked Miracle if that was the case. And I was kind of surprised with Miracle's answer. Is She said the writers kind of had a plan all along, which kind of doesn't go with what I was thinking. I don't think you guys expected that answer either. But as a fan of the show, I felt uh, Dollhouse got better um, in season two. The show changed. I know originally she kind of started out as this uh, sex puppet show, which was awesome. But it changed in the second season to more of a serious sci-fi war and, and overall good sci-fi stuff. And less of, um, uh, forgot the actor's name, uh, being a sex puppet as it is. 
So um, the the last episode of Dollhouse was uh, really good. Um, it had good closure, at least. But I felt the episode was rushed, which probably it was, considering there is no more show. But it just felt like we jumped right into it and missed a lot of other stuff to you know lead up to it. Probably a whole season's worth of stuff, the way the show's been going. But considering the show was shutting down, I can't blame them. For the way it did end, at least we got a closure, and that's saying more than some shows do. But just wanted to say hey, and uh, look forward to you guys' next podcast. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Wayne, and thanks, Dan, for calling in and wishing us well on our 50th episode here. Mm-hmm. It's always good to hear from those guys. Those are the, that's the show. They're with the show Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan, mm-hmm. hence the names. And... uh and they do an excellent review of a weekly review of Fringe, and I, I call in and give them my Fringe quote of the week, which he of course uh, mentioned there. But Dan had some interesting questions on Dollhouse, especially the change of transition in the show from first season to second season, mm-hmm. being less uh, about you know the liaisons of the actors, you know, with their prospective clients, and, and more uh, hard sci-fi. Uh, yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head there because it seems like they saved the best for last, that they got into more of the, uh, you know, uh, humanistic issues with the show in the second season, um, more of the moral dilemmas versus the first season was setting up what the engagements were like, which if you were just tuning into that, you could see how it might be one note to an audience member. But in the second season, they really got deeper and it became a more character-based drama. Yeah, and, and and I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, they, and especially it, it transitioned from Warhouse it, it was to mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was it was a grand experiment by the you know the operators of Dollhouse, the Rossman Foundation, to see you know I mean they could take over the world with this technology, and they really explored you know you know how they're going with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I agree. I, I lo- and, and I think that made the second season better, right? In, and, my, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I mean, I, absolutely. I, and it's not that I didn't enjoy first season. I enjoyed the first season, and uh, I'll probably mm-hmm. I'll probably go back and rewatch them again. But yeah, I want to watch the whole thing when the second season comes out on DVD. I want to watch both seasons back to back, every yeah. episode to see if you know you see a more grand arc. Yeah, I also like that they gave the um, supporting characters. Each one seemed to get their own show to really shine, right? And, and really show what they're, you know, what they can do. Yeah, uh, yeah. We saw some really good acting from, yeah. from all supporting characters. He also mentions that the uh, that the finale felt rushed. What, what do you guys think of that statement? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with that. Um, I think it was in February of two thousand nine. Um, Eliza said that uh, Joss had a five year plan for the show, and this is of course before they got canceled. So. You know, knowing that he had a five-year plan of where these characters were going to end up, to fit all of that, you know, in two seasons is a bit rushed in general. And the finale for me covered a lot of ground, but I don't know that it covered everything so well because it was a lot of material. It could have been a two-parter, and I would have been happy with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it did. I think the transition from, you know, you're in, you're in one world, and then the second to last episode says, and now ten years later. You know, yeah, it's, it's almost it's a, like there was two finales for the show. You know, the, the episode, what was it, Hollow Men? Yes. Um, the one before, that felt like the actual finale. And then this felt like the finale to Epitaph 1, which is what it was supposed to feel like. So I think they did a good job tying those two worlds together, but they were very different types of episodes. Yeah, 
Yeah, which does bring up the question. I mean, in the final episode, they kind of gave you that little preview of what Epitaph 1 was, but, you know, they never really aired that. That's, that was no. never, and, and so in some ways, it'd be like, you know, where's Felicia Day coming from? She's like out of the woodwork. Right. If you didn't ever see the DVD, you wouldn't know who she was or what the situation was. I mean, it's a very bold move, and I think only Joss Whedon is ballsy enough to do it, to basically base the finale on an episode that never aired on, on, on TV. Yeah. True. Well, and I think that Epitaph, Epitaph 1 was really – I think this is probably where he was envisioning the show maybe originally ending, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so – and then it made sense to bring it into Epitaph 2. And uh, But it really – I think if I were just a casual watcher of Dollhouse and hadn't watched the DVDs, I'd have been left saying kind of like a huh? You know, you know, exactly. what's, you know what's going on here? Yeah, if you didn't get a chance to watch Epitaph 1, you wouldn't have gotten – the, the finale as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I would assume that the people that are still watching the show probably still met, got, got to hold the DVD and watched it, I would think. I mean, at this point, the, the, the loyal watchers were really watching the show. Right. Unfortunately, it lost too, too many viewers at that point. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, we have one other piece of listener <coughs> well-wishing and feedback on Dollhouse. I figured we would do that, and then we can kind of give other impressions of the show as well, if that's okay with you, Mary? Yeah, sounds great. All right. In our next piece of listener feedback and well-wishing, we have Kevin Batchelder, who's called into the show numerous times and has given us his thoughts. He did the Sci-Fi 5 and 5 at the last episode, Mm -hmm. and so he's been an attentive listener to us, and he does a show called Tuning in with Sci-Fi and a thousand and one other shows. He does a Signal podcast, Mm -hmm. right? Legend of the Seeker podcast, or Seeker cast, I guess it's called, and the Escape cast for Farscape. Oh, wow. uh, He's a busy guy. He's very busy. And But anyways, we're going to hear his well-wishing, but he also has a question or some thoughts in Dollhouse, and we're going to go ahead and play it and then comment on it after this. Hey, Scott and Miles, it's Kevin Batchelder from the Tuning It to Sci-Fi TV podcast, among others. Just wanted to congratulate you on getting to your 50th episode. Well done, guys. Uh, always enjoyed the stuff you've been doing and looking forward to all the new stuff that's coming down the line. Also very much looking forward to your upcoming discussion about uh, the Dollhouse finale with uh, Televixen. Uh, the input she has and you folks do on Dollhouse is always very enjoyable. Certainly a show I, I loved watching and and love to see myself getting challenged, which is definitely what Dollhouse did as far as how they looked at the whole concept of you know what it means to be a person in the physical realm as well as in your mind and things along those lines. Joss and Aldous Wright has really challenged us quite a bit there, talking about the whole idea of um, being able to jump from body to body and what that would mean and could we as a, a race actually handle that. So the moral impacts of that are quite fascinating. And I'm curious what you folks think of that. And always looking forward to your future stuff. So take care. Thanks, Kevin, for calling in and uh, and leaving us that feedback. And uh, what are your guys' impressions on that? The idea of us jumping from body to body and the moralistic implications of that and what does it mean to be human or redefining what it means? What do you guys think? Miles, why don't you start? Well, it- very similar to what they kind of explored with the movie. Um, it was the Schwarzenegger movie they made 20 years ago. Oh, I forget the name of it. Where he um, they take his character, they put a different personality in him, and then at the end of the film, you know, he doesn't like the personality he had before because he was a really bad guy. So, um, so he retains his the personality that they. That's not the Mars one, is it? The Mars one, yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of that movie. It's, it's, Do you remember the name of the Mars movie, Schwarzenegger? I should know this. Yeah, I should know this too. It was one of my favorite. No. I'm losing my geek, Craig. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, 
it asked, I mean, I remember one episode where, where Alpha basically wipes out Ballard and somehow uh, Topher um, is able to recreate his personality, but at the same time he has to make, you know, Ballard a doll. And, you know, Ballard is upset. It's like, you know, he feels like he lost something. I remember in the finale where the one guy who has Rossum's personality in him and then uh, Echo is pointing a gun at him. He goes, you know, go ahead, do it. I, I know my, my, you know, I'm, I'm backed up a couple times over. So, um, it, it's, um, I mean, basically what they, from what, what they do is they, they copy your personality. And if you're one of the high ups, they can, you know, imprint it into somebody else. It, it's not like you're, you're immortal or anything like that. It's just that your personality, um, they just put your personality into somebody else's head. I mean, they did that with uh, the little girl. They made her another Caroline. I mean, mm-hmm. there's two Carolines interacting with each other, so to speak. Right. And, and what does that mean? I, I don't have an. I, I'm just. I don't have an answer. But I'm struggling to, to, to come up with something. But it's just. I mean, there, there, there are serious moral questions with doing doing right. something like that. Right. I mean, messing, messing with your head like that and yeah. um, take, taking what you were out and then putting something else in. I mean, at the end. Like when a doll serves their five years or whatever, they they program with their personality again. But it's just it's a copy of their personality. It's right. not really. Right. It's not like their soul or their mind being put back in. It's just very problematic. Yeah. By Absolutely. the way, name of the movie was Total Recall. Thank you. Oh, I was going to say Total Recall, oh, but man. I just want to seem stupid. <laughs> no, man. I, like, I, I think that's what right. he's talking about. That's exactly yeah. what I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That, that that does that does raise incredibly moralistic implications. Mm-hmm. But go ahead, uh, Mary, I want to hear your response to this. Well, it's interesting, you know, this has a strong parallel to Caprica with the whole Avatar oh, yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can take away the body of the person, but it's the mind and the, and the soll that persists, you know. And I feel like with Dollhouse, the, the essence of the show is very humanistic at its heart. You know, you can have all this technology, you can have all this greed and ego and you know, people, rich people wanting these engagements. and But at the end of the day, it's always the humanity that persists, no matter what what kind of warping the technology does to us. You know, when you had that episode, Belonging, with Priya and uh, the rapist guy, you know, no matter how much he tried to keep her down and, you know, become sort of the owner of his victim, she conquered all in the end. And I think... That's what makes this show so beautiful, and I'm going to miss, is that it presents the argument that no matter how much you erase the human mind, whatever the essence of that person is still persists through that. And I think that's what the Echo character symbolizes the most, is that you know she's been erased and wiped so many times, but yet she's still remembering things, and there's still bits and pieces of her on each one of these characters that fight their way through. Yeah, well, this isn't totally foreign to us as humanity today. I mean, think of it mm-hmm. when when you uh, and it's been a while since I've been dating, but when you go on the first date, right? You your best foot forward, right? And it's uh, and you have this front that you put on, and but eventually, the longer you're with the person, the the real personality begins to eep out through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just one sample of that, and people are doing that for jobs, and they'll do it for interviews or. <coughs> Uh, Our internet personalities. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> internet personalities. I mean, all you need to do is look at Second Life, World of Warcraft, or Star Trek Online, for that matter. And uh, there you go. And you and you have all sorts of people that are creating avatars and they're pretending to be something. In one way, it's acting, but in the other, on the other hand, that you know, ultimately, it, the true personality of that person, no matter what sort of front they put on. 
I just thought of something. I mean, at the end of the episode, after hearing you talk about it, Mary, mm-hmm. maybe what they got at the end was maybe they could never totally wipe out who you really were. Um, I mean, with Topher's machine was to basically he was able to reset everybody, all the actives to their original personality. They didn't really explore how that happened, but I'm just wondering if they're, they're saying it in essence. They can never maybe, – maybe it's like a, like a computer. You reformat it. You know, it's, it's – You can set your preferences, but mm-hmm. you can always go back to the original. You could, if, you, you know, if you're a good hacker or computer guy, you, you could go back to find the old files. The old mm-hmm. stuff – the old files, the old – you know, that personality is still there. I mean your example with, with Priya and, and, and Victor, I mean – they had their personalities wiped and reprogrammed dozens of times, but these their two lives were, still persisted. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, Echo, you know, she was still there. Was still that Caroline that was she was always a part of her. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, it's and, a very and, hopeful message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and at the end, I think you bring up a good point with Topher. He did that. He didn't put any like he didn't put any cartridge in to reset the personality like he would have done normally. Mm-hmm. He just builds this machine that kind of resets personality, and uh, so that suggests that the personality was always there. It was never gone. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it was just imprinted over and maybe squashed down. But mm-hmm. ultimately, when the other personalities he had were wiped out. They were uh, they were free. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, on one other side of the token, with this episode, the um, the people who were fighting the uh, whatever they were calling calling them, they had those chips, you know, around their necks. The tech oh, heads, yeah. I think they're called. Them. Yeah, the tech heads. Yeah, the tech heads. Yeah, mm-hmm. and one would be for weapons, one <coughs> would be for mercy or whatever, mm-hmm. and. They said something about how, like, well, if you keep imprinting them, they get overloaded, so they kind of have to do it one at a time, whatever they're going to be. And it, it kind of seems like a metaphor for what we are. It's like we're so bogged down by different elements of technology, and we're being torn in different places. I mean, maybe I'm reading too into this, but it feels like it's a metaphor for how we are. I mean, this is the closest Joss Whedon show that it is to reality. You know, there's no vampires. There's no supernatural activity going on here. This is, you know... Presumably the current or you know near future. So I can't help but think that he's actually kind of echoing how we are, no pun intended, (laughs) with being you know pretty much spread too thin as people. You know we're so distracted as a society we can't hold any more information without giving something else up first. Yeah, we know it's it's true. I mean you, you just think of all the technology we have, and each year they come out with new devices. You know that. Like you have to get it. Yeah, you have to get it. And and so not only do you have a computer that you have to keep track of all your files on, but then then you have a phone to do that. And then, uh, you know, it's just – and then social media and you have the cloud you can put stuff on now, the internet cloud, the idea of Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, it's just – it does become a a lot to keep track of. And I don't know about you guys, but I find myself just saying, okay, well, there's just some of it I will not delve into because I just don't have the time or can't even though I would love to. Mm. Yeah, true. Um, so, wow, that that got pretty deep. Yeah, Kevin, you're eliciting a lot of uh, a lot of discussion here. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kevin. No, but no, no, we do, we are grateful for that because that does bring it into a, a good, a good. And I think Josh. I mean, I don't think it's it's uh, um, reading into. It. I, I think that's what kind of Josh. Josh's writing is very layered, and it's sort of yeah, absolutely. Very, very meta. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I could definitely see him trying to address those those points. That you know, mm-hmm. techno- technology is you know, you know, complicating our life. But at the same time, we all ha- we all have to have the, ne- the newest gadget on. That's you know, 
right. for sale. I mean, I saw the new Mac uh, pad. Yeah. That, the, the iPad, new, the new yeah. IPad. That looks really cool, but... Uh, Do we really need it? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, I was saying, ooh, ooh, don't want to get one. I mean, those commercials are tantalizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, exactly. But, you know, my, my philosophy is I probably won't get another computer until my computer dies. You know, really, right? Because I mean, what what more do I really need for what I do and run my life? I mean, I have a family I got to take care of. I can't be totally plugged in all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, uh, well, thanks a lot, Kevin, for giving us that feedback and uh, helping us analyze the show a little bit deeper, maybe than we would have. Yeah, so, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, appreciate that. Well, let's talk about some of your other thoughts about the finale. I mean, so we talked about kind of the general uh, psychology maybe behind it, for the lack of a better mm-hmm. term. But uh, what else kind of hit you in this finale? Well, it's kind of weird because it's only 10 years in the future. But immediately they jump into this Mad Max-style road warriors kind of thing. Yeah. And that <laughs> one element of it that I didn't like, like in some ways I thought it was really badass to see them with these trucks that are like tanks with guns on the top. But you see Tony with his, like, facial appliances, you know, and, and they're using all this future slang, like, log, log off and power down and calling them dumb shows. And I felt like that was too cheesy in some ways because it, it's only 10 years in the future. Even if it is a post-apocalyptic world, I don't think we're going to change that much. So it felt too layered, like the Neuropolis thing that Tucson is now Neuropolis. Right. Like, really, a whole city is going to change in that quick of time? I don't know. That part didn't sit with me well. Um, I do. I what do you guys think? I, I do like the part when they're, they're at the farm homestead. It's this little quaint thing, and Victor comes riding in on that tractor trailer. I just love that scene. Well, I feel like some <laughs> of that, I, it, I was very excited and smiley at the same time. I thought it was pretty badass, but then I was like, mm. This is kind of cheesy, though. <laughs> it, it is, it is, but it was one of the parts I did love when you know Victor steps out, you know, and it's like, oh, there's my man, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I like when you start. Yes, he, he starts speaking Russian or whatever he does, and then he realizes uh, he has to hey. reprogram himself to speak English. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that was real, that was actually a real good way to introduce the tech, mm-hmm. a part of that, yeah. because yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the fact that he had it, uh, and he does. I mean. In spite of the cheesiness, he gave a stellar performance. Oh, sure. I, I, mean, I, 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 lo- I loved Edver there. Yeah, he's really gotten a chance to shine in season two. I mean, that guy can do it all. If anybody is made for this kind of show where he has to play a million characters, it's that guy. Oh, Edver. yeah. I can't wait to see him on the next show he does. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to follow his career for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one of the. Did you have something you wanted to say about that? I thought they had did a good job with exposition because. As much as they could in a one-hour show, um, you, you see that he and uh, Priya are not together at this point, and so right. they have to explain why, but I think they do a pretty good job of uh, explaining why they're not together. It's just that he decided to, you know, he, you know, he decided to take up the cause and, you know, be a soldier. And she didn't want to do anything with technology anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, you could understand that point coming from the dollhouse. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, that was a lot of ground to cover, and uh, I do applaud them for getting as much out as they could about them. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I felt, I felt this was, I, I, we've talked before, I'm not a huge fan of, of Echo, or the character of Echo in the past shows. She wasn't one of the characters that really shone for me. But I yeah. felt like in this episode, especially the scene where she loses Ballard and she blows up at Sierra, 
That yes. was phenomenal. I thought, this is what I was waiting for all season. You know? I had a physical reaction to that. You know, I almost was in tears, and I feel like the blow-off itself was the, – the death was a blow-off itself, you know, right. when he got shot. I was like, oh, okay, of course. That wasn't surprised. I was like, that's going to happen in any Joss Whedon thing. A main character is going to be killed off. Right. And so I thought they handled it really abruptly. But then when they got back to it and she has her her breakdown freakout moment, I thought, wow, this is why Eliza, you know, is perfect for this. I never really cared for her acting before, but she really shined in that moment where she was, you know, saying that he's dead and that she's all alone. And, yeah, that was that was phenomenal. It's unfortunate it had to come in the very last episode. But. I know. <laughs> no. But, you know, talking about Paul Ballard, his death comes out of nowhere. You know, he just, you know, just going along the show. And then it was kind of like, uh, what, Derek from Terminator? Right. And I, I was thinking, well, another Just Whedon thing, um, Wash and Serenity. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. my leaf of the wind. Lord, everyone. And then he gets impaled. You know, it just, he just, it was, it was abrupt. It was, it was not, you weren't, he didn't set you up or anything like that. I mean, you thought he was going to help her, you know, you know, help Felicia Day's uh, care character out but right. nope, he takes one to head and you know and not a lot i mean maybe he's only in half the episode at that point yeah i mean i wasn't really too surprised about it because john sweden <laughs> always has this thing where if two characters seem like they're going to get together then one of them's definitely like if everybody's you know getting too close then somebody's going to get shot or killed or something so i expected it the thing that bothered me about it is that i had not i did not have an emotional reaction like i thought i would to that moment, because it was so abrupt. It kind of reminded me of when, you'll, you'll get this, um, Miles, when uh, Trip died in uh, These Are the Voyages. Oh, yeah. His mm-hmm. blow-off, his death seemed like a blow-off to me. Um, so, I, I don't know, I wasn't too into that. Mm. Yeah. You know, but, but the reaction to it definitely was the payoff later in the episode. Uh, I consider the season finale of Enterprise sort of apocryphal. Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But like he was redeemed in the books. Redeemed in the books. It was it was a holodeck, so mm-hmm. they could have made mistakes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where was Amy Acker? I was I was looking for Doctor Claire Saunders in this episode, and she was gone. Wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. Well, I w- because she she was in the dollhouse <coughs> when we last left it. Yeah, she was. Well, they didn't. I mean, Epitaph one. They, I mean, she didn't get killed off or anything. Right? No. Well, she 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 gassed everyone on the floor, and I guess that could have been insinuating that she was gassed along with them. But I always assumed that she was above the gas. Yeah. I, I was wondering that too. I just you know. Oh, but she just kind of bloop, just disappeared, not in the yeah. not in the show at all. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I kind of like that moment though when um, Paul and uh, Carolina Echo were talking in in the bus, and they were saying. Uh, that you have a hundred people living in your head and you're the loneliest girl I know. Yeah. You know, I like that moment Great where he finally got to say that to her. And he said, it's really hard for the person you're with to deal with. And, you know, she really wasn't letting him in. And so that's why the big payoff later was so emotional where she's saying, I never let him in. And I, you know, never tell him that you're grateful for everything he's done for you for years. So. Well, what do you think about at the end then when she actually does let him in? Like literally. I thought that was a beautiful moment, and I love who delivered that message, which I I, I think was um, Alpha, right? Right, yeah. that was my assumption. Left envelope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful moment! Like if you if you never let somebody in to basically have them be w- inside of you and to be together forever, I I thought that was beautiful. Maybe yeah. a little too too little too late. Yeah. But 
<laughs> a nice end cap, I think. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. A couple of things I thought were interesting. I mean, I mean, maybe it was a little rushed, but what ten years can do? I mean, I mean now now Alpha is you know fighting with the good guys. I mean, so is that because he imprinted himself with Paul? That's interesting. A, I, I haven't. I, I yeah. didn't even think of that. But I, I thought about that because didn't when we last saw Alpha, that's when Paul went brain dead mm-hmm. because he got white. So I'm thinking maybe he implanted himself with with Paul's personality, and then he gave it back at the end to Echo. Because oh. why would he all of a sudden turn to be such a good guy and to help people at the Dow House? Well, yeah, and I, I was felt that was kind of one of the huge leaps we had to make in the finale was. You know, okay, here's Alpha, and he's running the dollhouse, and he's actually mm-hmm. mind white people to save them. Right. You yeah. know, it hasn't been the he's created this whole dollhouse. It's this functioning dollhouse. They're just not going out in their little liaisons like they typically do. And, uh, and he's taking care of them. And too. he's taking care of them. And this is not the Alpha that I'm used to seeing, the Alpha that slit throats, the Alpha that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I've always thought that Alan Chittick was such a likable guy that, you know, it's kind of hard to see him play a villain because I wanted to like him. And finally, we get to like him. Although, you know, I do I do like the idea <laughs> that it was good to see him play a villain, not only in this show, but if you saw V and V as well. he plays, Yeah. yeah. And, he, and he does do a he does play a pretty good villain, but. He does. He does. He's, yeah. he's pretty versatile, but he's got that good guy look about him. He does. Especially nice if you were guy. a Firefly fan, you'll know. Yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I yeah. hope he. I mean, he, he he seems to be one of the most underrated actors out there right now. I hope I hope he gets something. You know, maybe he's content being a character actor. You know, going from show to show, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'd be nice to see him get something. You know. Wouldn't it be cool to see him on Castle with Nathan Fillion? That would be fun. Mm-hmm. I haven't been watching Castle, but that would make me watch it. Yeah, me too. I, I watched Captain Tight Pants. That was about it. <laughs> yeah. The episode, the Halloween episode they did just mm-hmm. this past year. So, uh, just a few other characters I want to talk about. And uh, yeah. w- what about a Zach Ward? The, the the kind of the accomplice for Felicia Day's character. So Zones, Zone was his name, and was kind of the sidekick for Mag. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your impression of him? Go ahead, Miles. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I'm <putting it> on you. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, I mean, I, I, at first I end up not liking him because he came off a bit of a jerk, but he was mm-hmm. a whiny bitch. But, but, but yeah, well, well, that, yeah, well, yeah. Um, but um, but they gave his character, I think, a chance to somewhat redeem himself, you know. And so, I mean, that's what they did with Han Solo in Star Wars. Um, so at least there's some character development. And my wife was watching with me at the time. She goes, "That's the guy from uh, Christmas Story." And yeah. uh, he's a like, big boy from like, Christmas. Story. Yeah, that's him. So, uh, <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, Wait, I met him in real life at a, at a horror convention here at Fango Con, and he's a really nice guy in person. Um, very, you know, pleasing to uh, talk to him and everything. But uh, he did play quite a jerk in this episode. But uh, there were some redeeming qualities at the end, and mm-hmm. uh, he's going to kind of help take care of this girl. Yeah, I didn't like him. There was a part of him that really annoyed me. I think at the dinner scene at the farmhouse, he really annoyed me. Oh yeah. I just, yeah. I just, I was like, man. And all his crass remarks too about uh, uh, what was her name, Mag. Yes. Towards the end, where we realized she's a lesbian. Right, like, right. That was a little much. Yeah, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you what surprised me when I did a little bit of research into it. Uh, I believe her name is Adair. Tischler, is that the way you say it? The guy that played the the, the guy, the girl that played the young Caroline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Molly Walker from Heroes. Oh, 
and I didn't. I I looked it up. I didn't put that together. No, me, me neither. But but I loved her in Heroes as Molly Walker. Yeah, for me the, too. For the sixteen episodes that she was in, and I was like, whoa, hey, that's yeah. Molly Walker, and I liked her as Caroline too. Me too. Me too. You definitely saw the contrast there when she was Caroline, and then at the end when she's back to her original personality, has no idea what's going on. And I just thought that was so cool and so Joss Whedon to have this little 10-year-old, 12-year-old girl, you know, running around with a gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like that one scene in the one episode uh, where River suddenly has a gun and shoots his guides out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. Something else I, I thought was um, touching was um, Adele's really – I mean, we, we see some um, – Character evolution with with Adele. I mean, she's living in a farmhouse, but the way she is with Topher, I mean, she's very maternal. Oh yeah, so that's a mother mother son kind of relationship going on there. Right. It was. A t- I mean, I mean, I, th- I think she always sort of sort of loved him in a certain way, you know, earlier on. But I mean, but he was an employee. But but now it's you know, um, life has you know changed the relationship where she has to you know. Sort of mother him to help, you know, so he can. Do Remember it. that episode when they were so they were like high together, mm-hmm. jumping around. That was so funny, <laughs> and I thought, you know, there's going to be more to these two one day. There's going to be something. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a maternal thing or some kind of relationship, but but they they are great together, and and she really showed a different side in the last few episodes. I mean, mm-hmm. she used to be the ice queen, and right. here she finally hugged Echo, right. too. And so she she redeemed herself as well. I mean, she's been redeeming herself for a while, but we see the softer side of Adele. Yes, the soft side. But and I that, love that that line that Topher had that said, you know, he didn't want to cause any more pain. Oh yeah, and yes. and he said that you know you actually have the harder job. So. Yeah. Yeah, 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 certainly. And it was a, it was a it was a good way to have him go out looking at the wall of all the actives that died. Yes, I thought that was a very. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good closure with his character. Yeah. Well, anything yeah. else you want to say about Dollhouse before we move on to some other stuff? Hmm. Well, I, 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 you know, like the relationship, you know, still, of course, between Victor and Priya. Uh, and now that they have a kid, I thought that was touching that she named him after, you know, Tony, his, his original identity, um, and that they're going to be together in some form. So I, I wish I would know what that world would be like. <laughs> right, right. But they've always been really, you know, a good couple, a good match, I think. Now, one question I do have about them, they're in the dollhouse when this thing goes off. Mm-hmm. There seem, after that after that goes off, you know, <laughs> Echo, still, uh, Echo still has all the personalities inside of her. And does Victor and Sierra still have their personalities? I assume so. I assume so because they're underground. Yeah, that was my assumption. And yeah. maybe it didn't affect them. Well, they mentioned that in the actual episode. You had to be underground so it wouldn't uh, wipe your personality. But which begs another question: If Priya and and Tony have their personalities, well, well, oh, I know what it is: is that their their memories. It would have brought them back to just before they became actives in the dollhouse. And they wouldn't be in love then. I think that's the big They thing. may not have been in love, not remember their, you know, Tony. And so they, to, to preserve their memories, they, they stayed. They decided to stay. Yeah. yeah. But that does, be, that, that does beg another question. Is this the only dollhouse still in existence and are there other people on, underground? Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good point. That we don't know. Well, I have a question. Um, I wasn't totally clear what, what happened with Alpha. I mean, did he 
It was it was a one line explanation. He got away so because he's afraid of what he'd become after he was reset. Right, but but it seemed like we we know what he was like before he was reset. I mean, he was a criminal. I mean, if I remember correctly, in, in, in past episodes, they they he had he had a criminal background. Uh, see, I don't know that. I've only ever known. I don't know. Did they ever explore his original state? I, I thought they did. Um, it was when they were still experimenting with the dollhouse technology that. Yeah, he was. I mean, okay. he he was unstable to begin with, and that's what you know contributed. Right, to right. I mean, I, I thought that this episode, um, especially with him, had a funny line in it. Do you remember what that line was when he said, "Like um, that speaks to the schizophrenic in me"? Both of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, he was a schizophrenic before this, just like Priya. Mm-hmm. Um, but his schizophrenia might have been more demented. Um, you know, maybe darker, maybe cr- more criminal. Um, so it begs the question, like you said, you know, what's what's he like out there in the real world now? Mm-hmm. We shall never know. No, we, we, yeah, unless too bad. Have, I'm uh, really going to miss the show. Unless they come out with noveliz- novelizations or comic books from it, we probably won't know. So, isn't it crazy that you know Firefly got made into a movie and they didn't even finish one season, and there was that much demand for it? Yeah. And I don't think that'll happen with this. No, but I doubt it, it would be cool. Else. Yeah. They are they they're, they're coming out with a uh, Firefly novel. Yes. Uh, with, oh, really? With, mm-hmm. with short stories that explore the different characters. They've had some graphic novels out too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very, oh, very cool. cool. Well, uh, we're going to move in to uh, our next bit of news, which we're going to talk uh, briefly about heroes and then go into Caprica. But before we do that, we want to hear from two other listeners of ours, uh, Kat and Dave Gray, both from the Aussie Geek Podcast, if you want a good tech podcast. They talk about everything technology. We're just talking about technology, uh, Mary, and they explore all sorts of technology from their cool. podcast. But they call in uh, just wishing us the best. We've had Dave Gray on the show. Uh, he helped us do our Avatar review, mm-hmm. and uh, he reviewed uh, 2012 with us. Okay. Nice. Or with me the one time, yeah. I guess it was. Mm-hmm. So... So anyways, good friends of ours, thanks for calling in and wishing us the best, and uh, here it is. Kate here from the Aussie Geek Podcast. Just want to wish you guys a happy 50th episode of the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Bloody awesome. G'day, Scott and Miles. It's Dave Gray here from the Aussie Geek Podcast. We would like to congratulate you on a monumental 50th episode. Congratulations. And uh, we know what an achievement that is. You're doing a phenomenal job. Your concept's awesome. And the material you're putting together is just as awesome. We trust that you continue to evolve and become better and better as time goes on, if that's even possible, because you're pretty good now. Congratulations and a heartfelt congratulations from both Keith and Kate as well. And uh, we look forward to many more podcasts to come. Thank you for having me on the show, guys, and contributing to your 50 episodes. If you're a listener of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, I would encourage you to nip over to the Aussie Geek podcast at aussiegeekpodcast.com. From Dave Gray and the entire crew here at the Aussie Geek podcast, congratulations, guys. See yous. Well, thanks, Dave and Kat, for calling in and wishing us a happy 50. Happy 50 years old. Miles, you're 50. Almost. Almost, almost. A few years, a few years mm-hmm. yet. Um, well, Miles, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Heroes. You've been you've been following Heroes, right? Right. And, and uh, unfortunately, Mary, tell us about your uh, Heroes experience. Unfortunately, I've dropped off of Heroes. I've just been too busy, and there's so many shows that I like. i got to prioritize, but I've got them on the DVR. I've, I intend to have a Heroes night and catch up, but... 
you know, when when you're looking at what you got to watch and something's sort of losing losing you as a fan, well, you got to let one drop off every now and then. Yeah, and that's it for Heroes. Yeah. I, but I, I will go back to it. I don't think Heroes is on my DVR anymore. Oh, really? But, but yeah. it, I think what it means is I will eventually catch it. They've been they've been good at streaming them on Netflix. So when that season gets streamed on Netflix, I may pick up. Where I left well, please tell me there's more Siler, Miles. Actually, yes, uh, there, there there has been more Siler. Um, what has happened? Well, I, I don't I, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but let's just say that um, uh, let's just say Siler and and Peter have sort of um, formed an alliance, shall we say? Ooh. Yes, um, and there's an interesting scene in in Siler's head um, where you know. Uh, with him and Peter, um, I don't want to give too much away, um, but all, all I'll just say is it, it, it's definitely sometimes he, heroes move so slow you don't know where it's going. But now it's finally, last few episodes, it's finally g- coming to its conclusion where um, dealing with 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 Sam and the uh, the Carnival people and uh, what his agenda is and and everything. Um, they, they did some interesting stuff with uh, Noah's character this past week. Um, Is there any conflict with him and uh, Samuel going on? Um, yes, there oh, very much so. Um, mm-hmm. And um, well, right now, he actually Noah is actually he's a prisoner at, at the carnival. Um, Ooh. Um, so I, I don't want to give too much away, um, right? But um, but the f- but the finale should be epic this Monday. The finale should be good. Uh, the carnival goes to New York City, so. Um, It'll be Do you guys really think um, they should be given a fifth season to like finish off the show and actually, you know, do an ending like Dollhouse got to do, or do you think this is it? Like, uh, you don't think people are going to tune in? Well, that's such a hard call. It's definitely pulling in better numbers than Dollhouse did, still. Mm-hmm. But which is a better? But it's weak numbers for them, still. Right. I would assume. Well, I think what what I hear that they were going to wait to see what they were pitched for a fifth season before they mm-hmm. made that decision. Yeah. So I guess it depends what Tim Crane comes up and his cohorts come up with, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, personally, if it didn't come back on, I pro- personally, I probably wouldn't miss it with all the other shows I have to watch. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, but th- then again, they I think their fourth season renewal was kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. NBC might surprise us. Mm-hmm. So... Any other comments on that, Miles? No, since, since you guys are still, you know, I mean, since in the dark, Mary, in the dark and Mary, Mary's going to catch up later. I'll, we'll just leave it at that. But yeah. next next Monday is the is the season finale. So check it oh, out. okay. Check mm-hmm. it out. Uh, maybe you can get caught up before then, Mary. Probably not. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about Caprica. Caprica is a show that I know that Miles and I have been eagerly looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Are you in the same boat, Mary? Oh, yeah. I mean, when it came out on DVD, we reviewed it on our show, and I've just been such an advocate of Caprica from the beginning, and I keep telling people, you're going to be wrong about this one. It's going to be so big, as big as BSG. Yeah. Well, so it, I'm, it, I'm way behind it, yes. Yeah, it, it, in, and I think we were really looking forward to the return of Rondi Moore. You know, really. Right. And, 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 and his writing and uh, – the, the the in-depth and provocative thought that goes into many of the shows and how they raise questions without necessarily giving you the answer but kind of forcing mm-hmm. you to explore them. And, right. And, uh, I mean, the, the pilot itself covered a huge <coughs> amount of ground. Oh, it did. And set up the characters really well. You knew exactly where these people were coming from, and it ended on a tragedy. I love things that, you know, begin on a tragedy. And so this first actual episode after the pilot – 
ends with the idea of this terrorist attack and these kids are killed and 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 that's a very cool place to start a show from. When it's a, and it, two it's, families. It, it is the way that Battlestar Galactica started too. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the worlds are destroyed and this starts a series. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, you have kind of the same idea being framed here, different situation, of course, but. I didn't feel – in saying that, I did not feel that this was a mirror of Battlestar Galactica. No, not no, at all. No. It's different enough that it's – I mean you could tell it's a Ron D. Moore production just with the writing, but – Oh, and the religious implications too, like the whole you know, monotheist um, yeah, party that's going on and building up. You know, and it's a polytheist, polytheistic society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's interesting. Miles and I have talked about some of our other shows. One of the things we appreciated with Battlestar is – I mean the reality is – most of the world has some sort of religious affiliation. You know, they, they, they ascribe to some sort of higher power. And mm-hmm. sci-fi traditionally stays away from it. Yeah. Uh, but Battlestar Galactica was not afraid to kind of explore that. Not necessarily saying this is the way or this is the answer, but they explored it. And I've, I have a feeling we're going to get the same thing happening in Caprica, exploring ideas in religion, but not necessarily saying this is the answer or monotheism. Right, not advocating one or the other. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and I appreciate that. I, I have a high respect for that when that happens. Yeah. I mean it's just it's a part I mean spirituality is a part of people's lives. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean they actually have a quasi Catholic school. I mean it's not Catholic of course, but it's a you know, it looks like a Catholic school though. But there are there are sisters or nuns and right. yeah. And they, they have, dress in they like have, uniforms. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's, kind of, kind it's interesting, you know, the style of the show. We could have a whole conversation on that. I mean, oh, you, have, <laughs> you have these things that are blended together that you wouldn't normally think would go together. So you've got the polytheistic society with the multiple wives, and that's acceptable. And then you've got these gangsters and then the <laughs> retro clothing and the smoking alongside, you know, hollow bands and virtual paper and robots. It's It's really weird that you wouldn't think that, you know, this retro look – and this futuristic technology would go well together, but they do it seamlessly, and right. I buy it. Yeah. Well, it's, and that's not all that different from what Firefly did. That right. Was, they, bring right. In, they bring in the Western, and they bring in the space, and, you know, I, 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 I never really thought about it. They made it know? work. Mm-hmm. Well, even BSG did to some extent. I mean, yes, it was in space. Um, however, um, you, you know, they're using, you know, they're not, the computers are not networked. They're using um, old style radios. They're using um, to talk to each other. Um, there, there is still a, a retro. I mean, which was purposeful because of dealing with the Cylons, but they sort of did a, a futuristic with a more, I guess, historic um, vibe going on. It is, it, but they but they make it work. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the old cars in uh, Caprica, I don't, you know, they're using old style looking cars too. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How they go, mean, it, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, it just makes you feel like it could happen at any time. That it could be set. Any. I mean, that's one of the things I like about a, a lot of shows that are not specific. You know, is that you feel like it's it's a blending. I think it doesn't matter. It's a blending <laughs> of all the worlds. So you believe that it's like the past and present combined. Right. Yeah, it's certainly certainly. What did you think? So, so we saw the pilot. The mm-hmm. pilot's been out for now almost a year. Mm-hmm. And so we really got our first real episode just this past Friday. And I don't have the name of the episode here, but what did you think of the second episode? I, I liked it. Um, they dealt um, more with Zoe's plight, um, and um, there's some good humor with the uh, with 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 the Cylon interacting with. Um, 
the uh, the humans. I mean, the one guy got his finger chopped off because right. he was you know he was just being a total ass. And yeah, uh, he was. Uh, but then, but also seeing the Cylon, you know, sit, you know, it's, it's Zoe, but sits on the bed. The bed breaks. You know, you knew it was going to happen, but you know. I love yeah. this. I love the scene when they were transporting it in the van, and they opened the back doors, and she's ripping apart everything. Right, going crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, just like a petulant teenager would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought that the scenes with Zoe and her being the Cylon were handled really well. Like when it would shift back and forth between the point of view of what she looked like, that was really cool. Especially in the scene where her friend Lacey comes over, and they have that touching moment where they hug. That was eerie, but. Really cool. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because you can kind of see already the whole Cylon, uh, Adama, or Adams divide happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, even this yeah, early. a lot of friction being built up between those two families. Right. Yeah, and 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 that and the you know one family you know uh, Daniel Greystone you know being representative of the Cylons and obviously. Building the Cylon technology, but Adama being almost adverse to it. Well, but but he had but he contributed to it though by having his uh, right. with that gang steal that that part. Right. So, so he helped create the Cylons too. Yeah, which is uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll see. We'll see where they take that. It'll be interesting to yeah. see how they play. It's that really out. cool because the Zoe character, the way she is being represented now, is a Cylon robot human avatar hybrid. It's Kind of a lot going on there for her. Oh, yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, brings the be- bags, you know, what is soul? You know, it's yeah. kind of being explained. And do the, do the Cylons really have a soul? Which is an idea that Rondi Moore explored throughout the four seasons of, of Battlestar. Right. You know, are they human? What does it mean? And the Cylons, excuse me if, if I'm wrong on this, but they were monotheistic, right? In the, yes, and yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this if Zoe is kind of the grandmother to the Cylons, it makes sense. Right. Um, it makes sense why they would kind of fall along that end, and they're kind of establishing. It is neat to having Battlestar under our belts to kind of watch us and realize that ooh, now this is kind of the beginning of the Cylons. Yeah, it's kind of a brilliant idea when you think about it, because you know you get the the chance to elaborate on something you already know. So it's like. All right, we can look for the little nods to Battlestar Galactica. Like, oh, that's going to happen because, you know, we see this. So it's really neat to 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 know what's going to come ahead. Yeah, and you can see where the, there's going to be this the future the future Cylon human war. I mean, Zoe mm-hmm. already doesn't um, already has a fear and mistrust of of humans now. So yeah, and her mother called her a monster, called the Cylon version a monster, yeah, which right. I think you know. Speaks yeah. volumes. Oh, it does. What, yeah. what do you think of uh, Daniel da- Grayskill, Eric, Eric Stoltz's Eric character? Eric Stoltz. Yeah. He's a really great actor. I think uh, him and his wife are a good match. I forget the actress who plays his wife, but they're, they're really good together. And I was glad to see that this episode was more about them. And the first episode, you had a lot about the teenagers and the virtual world through the Holoban. So I was glad to see it shift more to the adults in this episode. Yeah, I it you know he really comes off as being kind of callous and almost evil. Yeah, like he didn't even want to go to his daughter's the memorial thing at first. Right. Kind of cold. And it, and it speaks volumes that the Zoe, the virtual Zoe, what doesn't want to really reveal that she's still inside the Cylon. And somehow she's right. grafted to the Cylon. I guess is a better way of saying it. Yeah. And so far, that's the only one they can get to work right now for some reason. Right, which is interesting. And I, I think another interesting storyline is the one with Polly Walker. 
She's the uh, teacher that invites Lacey over to the, her house. Oh, yes. I, I kind of want to see. I feel like something bad's going to happen there. Well, she, yeah. yeah. Why is she trying to get Lacey comfortable? Right, right. You know, what does she want from her? She wants something, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. She's plotting. Yeah. She was great in Rome, by the way. Oh, as, yes. Uh, Atia. That's She's right. I forgot she actress. was. Yeah. Yeah. Which also went to that, I guess, that opium den. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess, which I guess is legal in that world. I guess I don't know. Um, well, but. that's another strange antithesis. You know, you have this futuristic world, but then opium is a very ancient kind of drug, an older mm. drug, and uh, so they're mixing t- those worlds. That tie mm-hmm. back to the past again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now, what about uh, I'm going to botch the name Morales character. Is it Si 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 Morales? Yes, yeah. S.A. Morales, uh, mm-hmm. who plays Joseph Adama, uh, or, or Adams, as they call him. Uh, it's it, But um, I loved, I, I like his character a lot. I do, too. I, I think he's one of the redeemable adults. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember him, but he was in he was in 24. Yeah, I don't remember him from that either. And he was also in Jericho as Major Edward Beck. Mm-hmm. And I, didn't, uh, I, I watched a few episodes of Jericho and never finished a season. I don't remember him. I remember yeah. him. He was also in the last season, maybe it was two seasons of uh, NYPD Blue. Oh, yes, that's right. Two years that's ago. Right. That's and right. he did a movie years ago with uh, Sean Penn. There was a, a rivalry between him and then Sean Penn in this one movie when they were you know, teenagers. And more, hmm. most importantly, he played Poppy in Dora the Explorer. That, right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys would know that, not me. <laughs> no, uh, my son would probably know that more than yeah. I would. And that's the only reason I even listened to Dora, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I go home and watch it every night. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, the the son, I forget the. the um, it's, supposed, he, uh, it's supposed to be William, right? The, yeah, and uh, he, the uncle, I forget his name, but when they have that scene where he kidnaps him from school, not kidnaps, but you know, takes him out on a crime binge, <laughs> and teaches him the way of a criminal lifestyle. I mean, that speaks a lot to the character that he'll be become and like his his father's moral influence there. You know, and not wanting him to be like his uncle. Right, right. You can like, see how he's being, you know, he's learning how to manipulate already. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and how about Zoe Greystone's character, uh, who we see, of course, as Asylum, but also as the, I guess, the virtual representation of herself now that she's dead. Um, she, she perhaps, for me, is probably one of the most interesting parts of the show. Yeah, for sure. She definitely grounds it, you know. It's such a smart choice to make the first humanistic Cylon a a young woman, I think. That immediately has some emotional weight. And the fact that her mother knew nothing about her life, you know, that this daughter was living with her, but she had no clue that she had this boyfriend and believed in this monotheistic religion and uh, was sort of part of this underground cult terrorist group speaks volumes, too. Well, it's so telling to society today, especially as a teen, yeah, kids, especially as parents a t- don't know their kids. Yeah, and that I mean, and that brings up the other question: you know, why, or is it because we are too busy, distracted by all our technology? Mm-hmm. Or you know, it brings us back to the question of dollhouse in a sense. You know, that this is probably one of the issues it raises, and one of the issues in the second episode that I really appreciate that it explored. Right. So. And of course, we got Bear McCreary back with his music, and that was really good to see and hear again. Yeah, the music was great. It looks like uh, Ron Moore got a lot of his team together to do Caprica. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Jane Espenson. I know she's she's worked on uh, BSG before. She was she was the I think the writer of the plan or producer of the plan. Right, she right. worked on Dollhouse, I believe, and, and some other Joss Whedon projects too. So she's she's a force to be reckoned with in the industry. Is David Icke working with him on on Capitol? I think they were just credited as creating the yeah. world, but yeah. Yeah. Well, anything else to be said about Caprica that we didn't touch on? No. Hmm. Uh, there's going to be more as it develops, obviously, and we could go back and rehash your plan, but that's been out for a while. I yeah. Know. I just, you know, I, I kind of just have one small bone to pick, and that it's so minor, I hate even saying it, but I hated the credit sequence, you know? It was very, like, beat you over the head with it and very CGI, and a lot of the transitions are very CGI, like, let's show you this sweeping view of the city and it's all these overhead shots and it looks very fake you know and I like things that are very technical and falling apart and real world grounded and Caprica tends to overuse the CGI which has always been a problem for me I like practical models and sets right right. I actually had to go back and think what was the opening sequence because it it did not stick out to me as being oh it was like the no, I, 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 you remember yeah, it now and they introduced now all the characters yeah. yeah they would show them as their name came up it's definitely different than the way they started uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica up. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, the credits in Battlestar Galactica for a while kind of gave you the premise for what had happened. They, they would give you like the whole show in five seconds or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, before we move into, uh, we just have, I guess, what one, two pieces of other news, and then uh, that'll that'll kind of wrap up the show. Real before before we get to that, we do want to play some other listener call-ins. We had two call-ins uh, from Hearn and these are I'm not sure the real names, but they're their Twitter names. Hearn and Willie Mittens, uh, who are great listeners, have contributed on Twitter to the show, and I know that Hearn has kind of written an email, and we've talked about some of the comments that he's made on the show. Mm-hmm. So thanks, guys, for listening, and thanks for your well wishing right here. <laughs> Congratulations, Sci-Fi Diner, from Woolly Mittens in sunny Melbourne. 50 episodes of the absolute best way to get through the 20-hour flight here. Keep it coming, guys. I'll need something for the flight back, too. We are the Hearn. This is the Hearn. Congratulating Scott and Miles on 50 episodes of the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Nice one. Welcome back to the show again. Thanks, Hearn and Willie Mittens, for that great compliments and uh, the Darth Vader voice that you gave us, Hearn. Really appreciate you guys a lot. Well, we have two pieces of news before we wrap up the show, and that is Human Target debuted as kind of Fox's... Well, I don't know if it's a replacement show to Dollhouse, but it's kind of coming on the heels of... What was it? it's a mid, yeah, it's a mid-season premiere, and it kind of... Bumped around to a couple different nights here, and then I think it's finally settling on Wednesday nights, which is when they're going to air it, which is not a bad night. It's certainly better than the Friday night death slot, right? So Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's a tie-in, actually, to Caprica, because uh, Bear McCreary did the music for Human I Target know. as well. I know. Yeah. I was, was going to mention that. I'm glad you mentioned that, because uh, good music in the show, again, as a, as a part of it. So, uh yeah, excited. And we have some notables acting here. A small cast. I mean, when you talk about Dollhouse, I mean, the, the cast was big. Or when you talk about Firefly, you have a huge cast. But Human Target really is a cast of three. Yeah, and, and it, what a great cast it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Mark Valley plays, Mark Valley, 
Value? Valium. No, Mark, Valley? Mark, Mark Valley, who uh, plays Christopher Chance. Uh, what a great actor. You know, most recently, of course, playing John Scott in Fringe. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but also in the 4400 and Jericho. Yeah. And, uh, I was a fan of him um, from Boston Legal. Oh, yes, he was on Boston Legal yeah, as well. Yeah, he was one of the lawyers on there, kind of the uh, tough guy. Yeah, and then you have, what, Chima Bride, who plays Winston from Pushing Daisies and iRobot. Yeah, I loved him in Pushing Daisies. He was so funny. And yeah. he was in um, Let's Go to Prison as well. Oh, yes, he was. He was. He was in that one as well. And then uh, then Jackie Earl, is it Early Haley, who plays Guerrero? Yeah, yeah, Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. Yeah, he, he oh, my God, Watchmen. And now he's going to be in um, the new Nightmare on Elm Street movie as uh, Freddy Krueger, which oh, I'm yes. excited to see. It comes out in April. And he's in Shutter Island, which was just released. Or that released was really movie. cool. Yeah, yeah, so, um, and of course, you go back through his, uh, dossier, he also played on the Love Boat, the Partridge Family, and the Waltons. Wow. <laughs> <No. So laughs> He's not that old, is he? Yes, he is. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know how old he was when he played in these, but yeah. that, that, uh, he might have been like a little kid. That's, that's, that's dating him quite a bit. But mm-hmm. what a great cast. And I, I realized that there's a certain, uh, I was talking to a, a, a fellow teacher who said, well, there's a, there's a certain cheese action fa- factor to this, you know, human target thing. But, yeah, I gotta say, it turned me off from the beginning, just seeing the promotion commercials for it, because yeah. it was like, <laughs> You know, a very macho version of 24. I mean, 24 is already macho, but this is like 24 on steroids, a lot of explosions and, you know, a very male-oriented show. So I haven't seen it. I know about it, though, and I don't know. Do you guys have any good things to say about it? Well, uh, Miles isn't watching it yet. So I don't have anything to say about it right now. (laughs) He doesn't have anything good to say about (laughs) it, but he doesn't have anything bad either. Besides the great cast. Yeah, I mean, I I have been watching it. In, they're on their fourth episode, probably showing tonight, actually, as mm-hmm. we as we record this on a Wednesday night. But I liked I like Christopher Chance's character. I like uh, you know the character of, of of Mark Valley's character. I think is great, and I think the cast has great chemistry. Mm. So it's one of the things I appreciate about it. Um, the first episode they had um, who played Six from Battlestar? Trisha, oh, uh, Trisha. Trisha Helfer. Yeah, so she was on the very first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So they they brought in some notable and and um, Simon from uh, Firefly was in the last episode. Okay. Uh, right. I forget what his real name is. Yeah, I forget, yeah, I forget his name too. But yeah, it'd be good to see him in something again. So yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. then to see him in this was kind of like, oh, hey, that's cool. So, Has he grown up at all? I know he was pretty young looking. He, he, he looks exactly the same. Wow. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a few more lines, but he, he looks mm-hmm. exactly the same look. And I, I said, oh, look, it's Simon Tan. Yeah. But of course, it's not because, but it's it's you know those two actors kind of helped make the first three episodes. So he's a regular? Uh, uh, no. Okay. They, they, they just uh, they were they were kind of guest appearances, and they were the actors they had on the show. Mm-hmm. The second episode bothered me. And if you guys aren't watching or thinking of watching it soon, I'll tell you this. Second episode takes place on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I typically have a, a difficult time with plane episodes. Period. You know, because are you afraid of flying? No, it's just it's just it's just so contained, and it's yeah. there's only so much you can do, and it's kind of been done before, and yeah, I don't every know. genre show has done it. Yeah, so I'm you know whatever. I mean, Fringe did it, and yeah. you know whatever. Doctor uh, Who did it. Oh yes. So I mean, you know, again, whatever. I but I've been enjoy I've been enjoying it. It's fun, and is it a bit campy? Yeah. But is it fun to watch? Yes, I'll probably I'll probably continue to watch it. 
mm-hmm. uh, at least until V and uh, Flash Forward and uh, Fringe return. I mean, tomorrow, I guess uh, yeah, we ha- we have the Fringe finale, mid season, second f- mid season finale tomorrow night. But uh, after that, it's kind of a genre show vacant for a while. So is this show kind of comic booky at all? Because I think it's based on a comic book character. It is, and there seems to be a big separation. No, mm-hmm. no superpowers. It didn't, it didn't seem very comic book just from the the trailers for it. No, and it's not. These 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 people are very real, very real mm-hmm. people. So hmm. I don't know. Anyways, well, we'll see. I, I like it. And um, worth checking out, but uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to check it out on Hulu. I, I would agree with you, Mary. One of the things that is missing is a good, strong female character in there. Yeah, one regular recurring character. They might have introduced one potentially in this last episode, but it's too early to tell. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll definitely see. But it's definitely it's definitely good to see uh, to see uh, Jackie Early Haley in this one and uh, mm-hmm. working as a regular actor again. So. I'm surprised he would go to TV, you know, after he's gotten some big movie deals. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the part was uh, good enough or something yeah, that maybe. was interesting. He's certainly, a, he's certainly a phenomenal character in the show. Cool. So, so well worth it. Well, we're going to jump into uh, just talking briefly about Smallville's two-hour movie. Before we do that, I want to play another voicemail from Hayden Black. Do you remember Hayden Black? I do, yes. Yeah, we had a great interview from this Londoner. Uh, Maybe he's not from London. He's from England anyways. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's doing a show with uh, that hasn't aired yet, a webisode uh, Mm -hmm. called The Cabinots. Mary, have you heard about The Cabinots? Yeah, Miracle Larry was in it. Yeah, well, the first episode, and it hasn't aired yet. We're still waiting for it. Yeah, and Michelle Nichols was in it, too. Right, and also the guy that played from Buffy. uh, I don't remember. uh, He was like, he's a regular. James James Masters. Yes. Yes, uh-huh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, he's in yeah, it too. Yeah. Angel. So, so, Not Angel, um, Spike. Yeah, Spike. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he called in to wish us a happy 50th, and so here it is. Hi, this is Hayden Black from The Cabinauts and thecabinauts.com, and I want to wish you guys at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast a very happy 50th episode. And we're uh, back. Thanks, Hayden, for doing that. And we just can't wait till the Cabinauts actually air so we can have some fun, campy uh, singing, musical, sci-fi again. It looks like a riot. It does look like a riot. Well, one brief piece of news before you – well, I guess so we we wrap up the show, and that is, uh, Miles, we have a Smallville two-hour movie coming. We talked about this Mm -hmm. earlier on. It is a Justice Society movie. Right. I'm – I I like the whole Justice League thing. Um, Watched the cartoons they had back – a few years ago on Cartoon Network, and then uh, even as a little kid, the old, the old Super Friends. So this is kind of cool, a live action, but a more realistic uh, version of uh, the Justice League. But it's called the Justice Society. We're going to see Hawkman, um, played by uh, Michael Shanks uh, from uh, nice. uh, yeah. Stargate, and um, also uh, Brent uh, State. He's playing Doctor Fate, and he's done uh, some Stargate. He's Stargate's. done Andromeda, right? I believe so. Yes, and he's mm-hmm. done um, he's done a f- couple episodes of. Uh, Stargate and Stargate Atlantis too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and who? And then we have the, the regulars, the regular justice. Right. I, I mean, um, we'll, uh, Green Green Arrow will be there, and uh, uh, Pam Pam Greer is going to be in that also. Okay. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, the costumes look great. I've seen some pictures online. Yeah, it probably is one thing I will tune into. I am TVing Smallville. So Good. I haven't wa- I just I washed it up till Christmas and then haven't picked it back up. Mm-hmm. So one of those I probably have to hop on Hulu and watch 
as well. But that that did interest me just from the the premise of the fact that they're doing a two hour movie that's kind of this mini event for. You know, if it's going to be a standalone kind of thing that you can understand without watching all of Smallville. I don't. Doesn't appear that way because there. Well, it's hard to say, but just there's a scene in in the trailer with uh, Doctor Fate and Clark. So. uh, It's hard to say. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. hard to say. I'll but, check but it out I, anyway. But I imagine they'll, they'll give, like they, t- they do these days, they give a premise for what has happened beforehand. So if you're tuning in just for that episode, you'll have at least a handle. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here really soon. Before we do that, we have a promo. A promo? We have a uh, some congratulations for 50th episode from DVD Geeks. Excellent. Always and, happy to do it. Yep. And uh, we're going to uh, play that here. Hey, Sci-Fi Diner, it's John here from DVD Geeks. I can't believe it's 50 episodes for you guys. You both look so young. How do you do it? They have me, Mary the Televixen, on. And, you know, I feel like they've adopted me a little bit. They have. Give her back. Give her back. All right, congratulations, guys. Remember to tune in to Sci-Fi Diner and check us out at DVD Geeks. Happy 50th, Sci-Fi Diner. All right, thanks again, DVD Geeks, for sending in and uh, that well-wishing 50 episodes. Yes, 50 thank episodes, you very much. And uh, we'll have to hit them up in another 50 mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, 100, it'll be 100 then. 100. Yeah, I can count, I can count. Thank you, Televixen, uh, for joining us tonight to talk about Caprica, to talk about Dollhouse, and kind of put a show that we've grown to love to rest, because mm-hmm. we probably won't talk about this again until the DVDs come out, and then it's, you know, it's... We've seen it. We've been there. We've done that. It'll be more of a mention. Right. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys had me on because I think the first one of the first episodes that I was on, we were talking Dollhouse. So we've always been discussing this together. So it feels appropriate to end it together. And um, glad to be on for such a big anniversary show for you guys. And we'll definitely be talking about the DVD on DVD Geeks. Um, if people are interested in finding out where to find us, we're on iTunes. Or they can go to dvdgeeks.tv. We're live on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Yeah. And we'll always have Caprica to talk about now. Yes. That'll be the new one. That'll be the new thing we'll have you on. (laughs) A couple couple months we'll be on saying, okay, let's talk about Caprica. Yeah, let's do it. Now, Mary, where else can they find you? You mentioned DVD Geeks. Where else can they find you or follow you? They can find me. Probably the place where I'm most active is on Twitter, as you guys know. And uh, I can be found at twitter.com slash televixen or on MySpace. Uh, com slash DVD Geeks Televixen. And if they want to find out about my show, Improvised Joss Wheaton, they can go to GorillaTango.com. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. It's always a pleasure thank to have you. Thank you, guys. Yep, and, uh, and uh, we'll chat soon. All right. Sounds like a plan. Take care. Happy right. 50th. Thank you. Oh, well, that was a great, that was a great show with Mary, wasn't it? It's always a good show when we have Mary on. Well, we still, we aren't quite finished yet. Mm-hmm. We have to give our sci-fi five and five. And we thought since tonight is our 50th episode, let's talk about the top five sci-fi diner moments of the past 50 episodes for us. Okay. And there are many, and this will mm-hmm. not do it justice. So we had so many good memories of this. And, but Miles, why don't you go ahead and, okay. and, and lead us into this and then I'll give mine. Uh, at number five, uh, the first show I ever did with you and a bunch of us went to go see The Watchmen and then afterwards we came to your house and we just 
talked about Watchmen, tore it apart, and talked about what we hated, talked about what we liked. It was a blast. That was a good episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next one was the first time we uh, ever interviewed somebody. Um, we uh, called, talked to John Broughton from uh, uh, Starship Farragut. I think uh, it was a great interview, and I think it set a new course for our show. Um, uh, we, we would talk with people who were making sci-fi happen. You know, and you know, he's someone I hope we can interview at Farpoint because he's going to be there. Absolutely. We can find out what else he's doing now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get an update. Uh, I think another thing we, we was, is notable is we, we changed the name of the show from Dining at the End of the Universe to the Sci-Fi Diner. I, um, it, it, for me, I think for some reason it just added a new dynamic to the show. Well, we changed format then and mm-hmm. everything else. So yeah. Right. Um, another thing um, – Last year's Shore Leave convention, uh, first time we, we got you at a sci-fi convention. and Right. It was you just, first sci- it was a sci-fi virgin. You were a sci-fi virgin. Right. But uh, you, you survived okay. Uh, but we had a chance to talk with a lot of great people, whether they were, were fans, uh, the fan clubs that were there, um, the actors. We, we got a chance to talk to almost all the actors that were there, uh, writers and filmmakers. Um, and my number one is, uh, well, the day you brought me on as your co-host for the Sci-Fi uh, Diner podcast. It's been a, a great just hanging out with you and uh, and be a part of something like this. Um, it's been a fun ride, and I, I am continuing to enjoy the ride. Look forward to where, where, where it's going to take us. Yeah, well, it's, it's been fun, and I'm glad you're here because you uh, you bring the knowledge to the show that I don't have in Sci-Fi because my uh, experience is a little bit less. But, but uh, well, I'm glad I, I could give some balance right right so it's a balance there mm-hmm. but thanks miles well that's good and i'm mm-hmm. glad to have you as a co-host on this show that's for sure all right my top uh, i guess my sci-fi five uh, shore leaves in there I, these are not in any particular order but we'll call them number five is shore leave i just thoroughly enjoyed my three days at shore leave i was exhausted i was tired of interviewing people because we did like interview after interview after interview after interview mm-hmm. but well worth to meet these guys and talk with them and find out about them and mm-hmm. it was great I have really enjoyed all the interviews we've done, Miles. Mm-hmm. And this is really our four, four, three, and two. I've, I've highlighted three different interviews that I've that have kind of enjoyed, um, and I've enjoyed all of them, mind you. But these are three that kind of stick out. Our interview with Alison Scagliotti. That was a great one. That was a great one from mm-hmm. Warehouse Thirteen. I can't mm-hmm. wait till that show returns. A miracle, Laurie, who we had the opportunity, pleasure to interview twice. Mm-hmm. Richard Hatch, which was absolutely a phenomenal interview as well, mm-hmm. and. I've enjoyed co-hosting the show as number one with you, Miles. Uh, and not only with you, we've had a bunch of other people on that I've enjoyed as well, including Mary, uh, who joined us tonight, Televixen, and Dayton Ward, Kevin Dilmore, and Dave Gray. I've enjoyed kind of having them on and chatting about all sorts of stuff. It's just been a very fun ride. Right, and if um, if, if you're at the Herzog's house and we're about ready to record a podcast, there's a good chance that you'll be co-hosting the Sci-Fi Piner. Oh, we, we drug, we drug people into that. We have, yeah. yeah so if you're here when we're recording, watch out. Watch out. It's dangerous. We're going to give you headphones and a mic, and we're going to talk some sci-fi. That's right. We had Dunlap in that, didn't we? We did. <laughs> we brought Tom in that. <laughs> he didn't know what he was in for. He did not at all. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and uh, sorry for the long episode. I'm not really sorry. It's a 50 episode. We're allowed to be a little bit long on this one. Sure. And uh, we'll try to keep it closer to an hour in the upcoming episodes. But thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you want to find out more about the Sci-Fi Diner, you can – you can check us out at the sci-fi diner podcast.com. It'll give information on our Facebook fan page, mm-hmm. information on our Twitter accounts. 
It'll just give, there'll be videos, there's videos there, there's ways you can support the podcast. We'd love to have you supporting the podcast. Uh, more importantly than anything, we would love to have your feedback. Um, you can call into the show, leave your message, give us your thoughts on Caprica or the Dollhouse finale. We'll talk about it on the next show. And you can call in at 1-888-508-4343 if you're in the U.S. If you're not in the U.S., well, you can send us an MP3 file to a Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com. Okay. And those are the ways that they can actually do it. We also are on Twitter at the Sci-Fi Diner. Miles, you're on Twitter as well. I am, uh, Son of Worf at Twitter, uh, also a Trek Space account, uh, Son of Worf at uh, Trek Space. And you can also find us both at our uh, our uh, fan page on, on, on Facebook. Yep, yep, absolutely. And there's <laughs> links to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I believe that's about it. That wraps up the show, Miles. Okay, well, until then, good night and good luck. We will see ya.